On today's episode, we welcome Todd Moore, Vice President of Encryption Products at Talis. Todd is a respected cybersecurity professional with over 28 years of experience helping organizations protect their most sensitive data. He has a proven track record of developing business cases and market analysis for new security products and delivering them to market. Please welcome Todd Moore on today's episode of TNT. We also want to welcome our guest host, John Carruthers, Business Information Security Officer for Evotech. John spent 27 plus years working as a supervisory special agent with the FBI, covering various investigations and had been assigned to Russia, Ukraine and the Netherlands. After he retired from the FBI, John wanted to continue the passion of helping others and spread the word of cybersecurity across the industry. John, thank you for joining us on today's episode. Thanks for joining us again, uh, John, on Technology and Things. We're going to have uh, Todd Moore from Talus join us. He is a VP of Encryption Products, and uh, he should be really fun to uh, chat with. So looking yeah, forward to I'm doing a, that. I'm super excited. I know I'm you've done excited. your research. I was looking at Todd's background. Yeah. I, I, I've done my research. I was looking at his background, and it's somewhat intimidating, I have to be honest. Um, I know that you invited me because we both, Todd and I, have a, a background in the government. Yes. But I think that's my, that might be where it ends. He's, uh, <laughs> he's, super, he's way smarter than me. But yeah. we'll see how this goes. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll do our best, you know. We'll do our best. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, you know, one of the things that I want to talk to you about is uh, Talos does this thing called a, uh, a threat report where they – they do, um, and we'll talk to him more about it, but they, they do this um, uh, research with the, a whole bunch of uh, basically clients, you know, end users, um, yeah. folks like that, and uh, kind of go through all the, the threat landscape and what people are thinking about, what projects they're working on, all that kind of stuff. So kind of interested to pick his brain on a few of those things as well. And uh, yeah, that's going to be fun. That'll be a fun talk. I, I totally agree. You know, I didn't even know that Talis did a threat report until I was prepping for this podcast. And lo and behold, it's pretty phenomenal and super interesting. Um, you know, I, I, I was always used to seeing the Verizon report or maybe the Ponemon, but this Talis report is uh, very insightful and well presented. So, yes, very, it is, it very is good. A high quality. For sure. Hey, Todd. How are you? Hey, Paul. How you doing? I'm doing hey, great. Todd. So, Todd, thank you for coming on Technology and Things. Really appreciate uh, you joining us today. Hey, no problem. I've got uh, John Carruthers here. He is a business hey, information, information security officer. There you yeah. go. BSO. <laughs> BSO. He likes a real long title. Uh, and, um, and a former... Uh, supervisory special agent, supervisory special agent with the FBI, oh, and cool. so T Todd, we were uh, Paul and I were talking about you know the reason I was invited to this conversation was because of our our mutual government government experience, and I, <laughs> okay. I I quickly pointed out that that's about where the similarities end because your extensive and impressive uh, resume uh, far. Yeah. It, it's going to, it's hard for me to keep up with your intellect, but we're oh going to see gosh. how it goes. You're, you're, you're yeah. very, very nice. I appreciate oh, no. it. No, no, no. We're going to full we're, on we're accurate. Gonna, yeah. That's what I bring him along for Todd. 
<laughs> to bring them along, you know, to be, to be humble and, and to ask all the yeah. great questions. You know, as exactly. Long as you <laughs> exactly. So, so Todd, maybe we can start with um, a little bit about you, you know, maybe uh, uh, you can, you can uh, pontificate a little bit about your career and uh, where, where you've been and, and, and then we'll get into uh, some of the current stuff. So I've, I've been in the, uh, I guess I call it the cybersecurity industry for about 30 years now. And um, the last 10, I've been with SafeNet Jamal Totalis, um, and that's uh, through multiple acquisitions on the commercial side. As we just talked about 20, 20 years prior to that, I worked for a defense contractor um, working with uh, U.S. government, different entities. And I've always been on the defense side, if you will, always around protecting information uh, for warfighters, whether it's communication or protecting uh, information and, and government networks. And so for me, that, that's where I... I came from, been around the industry for quite some time, and I think moving out of the uh, federal specific space into the commercial um, was very useful. And maybe John, you can agree or disagree. You can take some of those things we learned, making maybe working within federal and applying them to the yeah. commercial side. Same problems, just just different customers in some cases. Yep, yep, exactly. A little different mission, but yeah, you're exactly right. Problem sets are very similar. So. Uh, any more pont pontification, Paul? That you, there? you never know. That's, that's that's great, Todd. Sometimes I ask that question and people give a twenty-minute thing. That was actually very nice and brief. So I I, I appreciate that. Uh, and so no, that that's that's wonderful. I think um, that that's great. Um, so what what was it that sort of got you out of I mean, I feel, I feel like, you know, John kind of went through this and, and you've gone through this when you work in that space. What, what were some of the things that, you know, were the drivers, I guess, of, of you moving into more on, now you're obviously working on the vendor side. Um, what were some things that, that, you know, kind of made you do that? A good question. I, wow, for me, for me personally, I'd like to hear John's side of it as well. Too. I, I mean, I, I was I was always a contractor, so I, I didn't have like a, the, the the twenty years, twenty five years, the retirement from the service, if you will. I was always there to support um, that side. And you know, for me, I, I guess it was a recognition that a lot of the same problems did exist in both the uh, the federal as well as commercial. I mean, one, one of the great things about working with the federal government was you did have somewhat of a, a captured audience, right there. There's missions, there's requirements. I mean, um, I think you guys probably heard about this new executive order that just came out from the White House, uh, Joe Biden's uh, administration around, you know, a lot of different things in cybersecurity, but really just the basics, you know, multi-factor authentication, data at rest, data in, in motion encryption. And, you know, that, that'll become like a framework that all the agencies will have to figure out how to solve. And, you know, TALUS as, as a defense contractor as well is going to go help. Uh, government agencies solve that. But for me, you know, it was, it was more different types of customers to work with. I mean, today I work with large commercial enterprises um, all around the world and, and every bank and retail, healthcare, um, governments, you know, regulated, regulated industries around the world still have a need for cybersecurity and security in general. And so for me, that, that was fascinating for me. I mean, uh, when I was working federal government, my travel was pretty well limited to uh, the U.S. and the five eyes, let me just say. And <laughs> And now I, if, if, if that term five eyes means anything to you, but, uh, but, but now I, I can travel anywhere around the world. So I, we do a lot of business in APAC. We do a lot in Europe and it's really just opened up my eyes to, you know, similar problems, different audiences, but it's really a global. And so I, I really enjoy moving into the commercial side and, and having the ability to, to interact with a lot of different uh, 
types of folks. So yeah. hopefully that makes some sense. I don't know, John. No, what, yeah, no, I think that that makes perfect sense, Todd. I mean, it's kind of uniformity of message and diversity of audience, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think you being able to hold on to that, I, I think, is is an awesome thing. And it, and it sounds like you're able to make that transition. <clears throat> this isn't about me, but I kind of had to leave because I was, um, you know, in the FBI, and there's a certain uh, time restriction that you can be an agent when you reach a certain age. So I, I kind of had to leave, but. Uh, similar to you, I, I wanted to find that uh, kind of that happy place, you know, during that transition. And, and again, it's being able to diversify, you know, who you get to talk to and, and all the different people you get to help. So, yeah, I love, I love that. I think that's actually something we, we all kind of share in common. I mean, I, I didn't come from the government space, but uh, I worked at Qualcomm for 26 years and it's sort of the same thing, right? You You, you get sort of, you have a captive audience of customers that you're working with. And, and, and when you go more into on the vendor side, you, you, you really can branch out. You're talking to lots of different people. Um, there's just, it's, it, it is a little bit like a new lease on life in some regard where you're, you're just, you're learning new things. You're, you're, you're kind of starting out all over again in some regard. Um, yeah. So it's kind of fun. And it, yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's kind of fun and you, it makes you feel like you're uh 20 years old again, you know, so I, I, I kind of like it. <laughs> there you, go. There you, go. you mentioned mm-hmm. actually the, the Joe Biden thing with the, 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 the kind of the new cybersecurity, uh, uh, I guess, baseline kind of what? Yeah. Executive, but, executive order, Paul. Executive yeah, Paul. order. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. The executive yeah. order. So, and I was actually looking at, we've been, and John and I were kind of chatting about the, the Talus uh, report yeah. that, uh, data, the threat report that, that you guys do. And one of the things I kind of was struck in there was just like the amount of companies that don't do multi-factor authentication, or there's some of these, just some of these sort of basic things. And, it, and so I, I'm supposing that an executive order like this will help try to push some of these basics out to everybody to say, Hey, like, these are some, you know, if you're not doing these five things, I mean, you're, you're kind of uh, risking a lot. Right. So. Absolutely, and uh, no, no, I, and I think it is a lot about the basics, right? Um, you know, just, just it's amazing to me that report that you just mentioned, Paul. I mean, over fifty-five percent of our only fifty-five percent of the respondents to that report, and you know, there was over twenty-five hundred people that responded around the world. Only fifty-five percent of them have multi-factor authentication turned on, and nowadays, it's almost any application you use, or in, even in our own lives, right? We go to a web page or to an application, it asks you, do you want to use two-factor authentication? And geez, if you're not turning it on, you're just making it easy for the bad yeah. guys to get yeah. it. So it's like it's like a basic thing. Now, I, I understand the other side. People say, well, you know, it's another step I have to take to get access to my PayPal account or whatever. But uh, but honestly, it, it really does um, put up a, a basic defense for, for you and and in companies for our employees and for customers for their employees. So, yeah. yeah and, and I think the Biden administration did the right thing, putting it out there, reminding people about that basic guidance. I don't, it wasn't a mandate. It isn't forcing people necessarily to do it. It's more of a template framework, but, but each agency has to respond to it. I think within 180 days is what the, 
you know, came out in May. So each agency has to respond to how they're dealing with um, these basic security principles. So yeah, yeah not, not getting too political, but forcing people to do things in our country is very difficult. Down that path. I think, I think I'm going to take a, a where, where's my talus team. I'm going oh. I'm just, I'm just to stop there. Right? No, no, you're yeah, fine. Yeah, I'm just, yeah. I, I'm just making a joke, but uh, you know, the other thing I liked was just to, not that we're going to read off stats all day, but I, the other one I, that I thought was very interesting was, 24% of respondents indicated that they had complete knowledge of where their data is stored, which is also a scary, um, pretty scary thing, right? That they don't really know where their data is being stored. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's incredible. I mean, uh, and, and I, I, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Todd. No, but no, John, go first. I, 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 no, I was going to say, you know, Paul, you're, yeah, we, we have to quote, uh, statistics here because it's a it's a, a threat report and um, first of all I really like the Talos report uh, really well done well presented um, who would have ever thought uh, that we would start a threat report talking about a pandemic right you know like in it kind of begs that question of you know would you have guessed that this would be the case uh, but to your point Paul that twenty four percent I kind of came at that from a different perspective. Um, just based on my experience here recently and even in the Bureau, like that's high. Like you can't find it's, that is a universal challenge for any organization to sit there and identify and tell you that they know where their data is. Yeah. Nobody knows, you know, and, and, and for a variety of reasons, but uh, I was surprised actually to see it that high to be, to be honest. I thought the answer was they're, they're all in the data centers in Virginia. You know, when you're driving around there, it's, yeah, it's like, like yeah. every data We're center known. Ashburn. To, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Ashburn. Th- that's where your data is yeah. living. <laughs> yeah. No, but it, it, it's an outstanding um, metric, right? It doesn't mean that it's a U.S. problem or a Europe problem or a Japan problem. I mean, it's everywhere, right? Yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, John's right. It, it, a quarter of the respondents, 24%, don't know where the data is. And how can you comply with all these new privacy regulations coming out? GDPR in Europe, and you've got... California Consumer Privacy Act and, you know, different state laws. But geez, if you don't know where your data is, how the heck can you protect it? So, I mean, one of the, the big taglines here at um, Talus is we use three words to try to help our customers discover, protect, control. And we think it's three simple words that really describe, you know, you got to find your data first. You got to know the data flows. You can't protect what you don't know. Yeah. And then once you, uh, once you know where it is, protect it and then control it, make sure you, you know what's happening to it. And the one thing that people forget, I think, a lot in all this is, is once you do find out where your data is, and not many have, um, you, you have to actually continuously monitor for new data. And so this isn't a one and done. It's, a, it's an ongoing, continuous process is what we like to remind folks as well, too. But uh, I'm assuming, yeah. Todd, that that discover part is probably the hardest part, right, out of those three? <laughs> it is. It is. And, you know, um, and, and with the whole remote working and... Uh, using more cloud. I mean, when I said remote working, I mean mobile devices. I mean, when we all started doing more hybrid remote working from home, I have multiple mobile devices. I don't know, Paul, if you do, I've got my iPhone, I've got my laptop personal, I've got my work laptop, I've got all these different devices, which could have sensitive data on it, you know, or personal data on it. So yeah. you've got the mobile is still exploding. Then you got all these folks moving to the cloud and, and not really understanding when things go outside of data centers within companies out into these public cloud or software as a service, salesforce.com, those types of, you know, large applications. It's, it, the data sprawl is just growing um, tremendously and, uh, yeah, getting getting your arms around it is a tough problem for many of the CISOs and, and many of the security professionals out there today. 
kind of the yeah. stuff that, the, 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 I would say almost the, uh, these are the metrics that DLP programs are built upon. I, you know, another stat, um, if you don't mind uh, uh, me calling out, is that 82% of the respondents uh, were worried about the risks tied to the increased remoteness or the remote workforce, you know, as a result of the pandemic. 82%. So my question, and, and I'm doing quick math, is uh, what the heck are the other 18% worried about? <laughs> like that, again, that should be 100%. But <clears throat> well, I, 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 I think that uh, there was another metric in there that I, I think that's the ones I thought were ready. So, so I, it was it was 82 percent that weren't ready for remote working. And, and, and then there was 18 percent, um, John, that, that were ready. So I don't know how yeah. maybe they ran all the experiments and tests. I mean, you can think yeah. about this. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure there was some companies that had the foresight or, or already 100 percent remote worker working type companies that, that recognized yeah. uh, how to manage all the employees yeah. go into their homes and, you know, outside the, the four walls of an office, but uh, yeah, 80, 80%, if not more really uh, were taken by surprise. And, you know, we talked about uh, data at rest and multi-factor authentication, a little bit discover tech control, but don't forget about the data in motion piece too. I mean, that's another thing. I think when I think about remote working, um, so looking at some of the metrics, how many folks didn't even know what a VPN was or how to turn a VPN yeah. on a virtual private network to be able to access data back at the, the home office when they were remote. So a lot of, uh, a lot of learning that had to be, to be done very quickly. Um, and quick. Yeah, possible. exactly. Yeah. Well, it seemed like the, you know, I know I dealt with this with our, our clients last year was you had, you had, you know, your sort of executives and, and, and certain folks that were working remotely before, but they weren't really, you know, doing um, they weren't building products necessarily or doing those. And like that kind of work, I know with some of our uh, clients, they actually were now working from home on things that they would never have brought home before, you know, like they, they actually brought development kits and things home, which like were never allowed outside of the yeah. building. Right. Mm -hmm. And so now, like, I think that, 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 that stuff just becomes uh, now, now your IP is just, everywhere right and, and that's and that's one of the biggest uh you know threat vectors that we're seeing at least on our side and it came through in the the talos data threat report that uh, healthcare and technology companies are some of the ones that are biggest at risk i mentioned earlier the regulated industries the healthcare the governments you know those um financials were always very good if you look at the report at protecting their information but healthcare with all the vaccine and all the collaboration to find a vaccine and all the sharing of technology data and then the the technology companies that had this IP that they, they weren't really protecting. I don't know if, if you guys heard about the electronic arts um, hack or exfiltration of data. So electronic arts builds a lot of uh, video games, um, FIFA, yeah. FIFA 2020, 2021, a lot of famous yeah. uh, video games and hackers were able to get in there and access, I don't know how many terabytes of proprietary IP data along with the software developer kit that the engineers used internal wow. to that company. And so you can imagine how that's going to impact maybe the gaming industry going forward. You know, there may be, there's a way to monetize putting, you know, hacks into video games to win or to, to manipulate that going forward. So it can be a huge loss, um, not just brand reputation, but just uh, your IP or intellectual property. So we do yeah. see a lot more of that happening. And, and it's important that uh, data is important to you. Not all data is created equal, right? So, so if, if it's your IP or your company crown jewels, if you will, you got to make sure that stuff's being protected as as well too. I hope that makes sense. Paul's trying yeah, to totally. thread there totally. a little bit. Oh, well, totally does. And, and in fact, that's that kind of segues into uh, one of the key findings in the report. I mean, there were like all of the key findings were super interesting, but um, one that I felt kind of hit home was 
the global awareness to these security issues of which you know we're all confronted constantly, right? The, the global awareness is off the charts. It's just not equating to actually addressing the risks. You know, so there's, there's a disconnect. We all know that there's a problem, but we're not necessarily doing anything to mitigate or remediate the problem. And I, I'd be curious, Todd, you know, um, kind of what your thoughts are on, on how do we address that? Obviously, we could call Talus um, be one way. But, <laughs> well, I can call but, Evo Tech as well. I mean, as, yeah, as a, call, as a, as a, as hey, thanks, Todd. Yeah. Send you a check for that. Yeah. <laughs> but but no, no, I mean, just just talking about the, the data, the findings. Very you know, exotic. A little bit but more yeah, about I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? I, I mean, it, it astounds me that uh, well, there was definitely some contradictory information in the report, right? It's like people recognize that there's ways to protect the information. Um, I, I hope everyone or you guys know that uh, Safe Harbor, if you're, if you're a breach or attack, having the information encrypted or protected in some other way, you don't have to necessarily declare the breach, right? Because the information has been protected. And that doesn't work against all attacks like ransomware necessarily and some of the others. But for just straight out, you know, trying to steal information, encryption does work. Well, you know, what we found was only, look at my notes here, only of 17% of the folks in the survey were actually protecting the information when it goes into the cloud. So even though folks know about encryption, 38% know that encryption works, only 17% are actually deploying it in all their data as it's out in the cloud. And I guess one of the other true findings I found going back to the safe harbor concept was we asked specifically the question. So when you had a breach and, and people did tell us and we saw the breaches actually had doubled from the data threat report, and it's doubled from last year, the number of breaches that were occurring, we asked how many of you were able to deploy safe harbor not having to report the breach occurred because you encrypted all of your data. And 46% said that they had actually used encryption as a safe harbor reason, but 54% did not. So I guess, go back to your question, John. I, I, I think it's all, I think it's about, you know, really just educating folks, um, letting them know the tools are there. It, it, you know, Talus, we, we have a platform, we've got a story, we'd love to tell of how you can protect information. Again, working with Evotech, and you guys have all the, the right uh, folks that can help do that assessment, understand where the risks are, and then work with partners like Talus to be able to deploy the right solution. So it, you know, things like the executive order is going to help train people, it's going to help bring it to the forefront of their minds, but uh, it, it's just going to take time. It's just, it's just yeah. taking time. And maybe, maybe you have to rest. have a few more bad press incidents in the news before people really take notice, but uh, I definitely <laughs> think that there's, there's solutions out there. <laughs> I, I wonder if, um, yeah, there's so much every day now in the news, it seems like um, it's just nuts. Like the amount of, of breaches that are occurring, it seems like it's escalating. Uh, and I, I know John knows this because he, he tracks quite a bit of this stuff for, I think in his free time or something. <laughs> yeah. um, so it, it, I don't know. I feel like as a, when I talk to people just that aren't necessarily in the tech space, they, they have a, they have like a, the fatigue is definitely set in where they're just kind of like, you know, everything that I have has been hacked. <laughs> uh, you know, is there any hope in sight, you know? <laughs> well, so, yeah, I, I don't know, Paul. I mean, I, I think, I think that, uh, you know, we got to keep being vigilant, you know, yeah. vigilant. And, and, and again, tying it back, back into maybe U.S. Fed government, you know, always, always remain vigilant. It, it isn't yeah. one and done. You always got to stay on top of it. And, and it's those basics. I mean, I don't know how you know, often we have to say it, but you got to make sure that you've got the, the multi-factor authentication. Make sure you're encrypting things that are important to you. Find those important things first. Make sure you're encrypting them and then manage it, you know, through 
through centralized key management and other, other things that you can offer to manage, not just across your on-prem, but across all the devices and networks, as well as cloud and applications that you're using. But it, it is coming back to basics. You know, we didn't talk about uh, ransomware too much just yet, but, you know, with ransomware and escalating credentials and privileges and just really getting access from a phishing attempt, clicking on the wrong week link. Um, it, it's, it's really, it's really the basics. It's letting people know that, uh, you know, you can be the cause of some of these malicious attacks and you got to be really just vigilant about what comes into your inbox. You know, don't go to websites that don't look right. Make sure your passwords are the right lengths with the right number of characters. It's yeah. I, I got off your topic there, Paul, but I think it, it does. It just, it's just basic stuff. No, really. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's, that's, I mean, it's, it sort of ran into this recently. My son was trying to sell some stuff on eBay and the, and the, and people immediately try to get you off the eBay platform, right? They want to text with you directly. They want your yeah. email address. And, I'm, and it's like, they're, they're just trying to collect all your information so they can, you know, they can get after you. They're not actually interested in buying your product or whatever. And it's just, it's, it's sort of, it's, it's. Um, kind of building a targeting portfolio. Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, this, I think that's where like regular kind of consumers, they don't realize like there's just. Uh, the onslaught of people that are trying to do this stuff or, or not even just people, but it's probably machines and, and processes and stuff like that too, uh, that are just constantly uh, trying to infiltrate everything. Uh, and so, yeah, no, your I think your, your statement is right on, you know, one thing uh, Todd that I wanted to, to quickly chat about um, that, that you kind of opened my eyes on. I, I kept hearing about quantum computing and, uh, it never really clicked for me what what it meant, you know, for some of the things that we've had, uh, you know, in place for quite a while. And I was hoping maybe you could just you could uh, provide some insight around that. Kind of what what does that mean for for Talus, or what does that mean for for all of us really um, around how is that going to change what we're used to going forward? Sure, sure. That's, that, geez, how much time do you, John, Paul, you guys have? I don't know. We don't have that much time, Todd. But you're good. At, you're good at yeah. summing things up. We'll, we'll, try, we'll try to keep this short. All right. And um, now there, there's a whole science behind, you know, uh, quantum cryptography and computing. You know, what's going to happen when a post when a quantum computer exists at scale? What it does for some of the uh, legacy asymmetric cryptography that we're all using today, whether it's a uh, a credentialing system, a PKI, public key infrastructure, certificate management. It's good. It's going to put a lot of what we do today um, to the way we protect our website and the transaction. You just talked about eBay. Those transactions are all done with uh, cryptography and, and math that's going to be put at risk when a quantum computer exists. And so for us at Talus, I mean, we're doing a couple of things um, to get ready for that world. And, it, and it's unclear when that world's going to hit. And from the, go back to data threat report, it was interesting that 85% of the respondents are now starting to think about that, that day when post-quantum computing does exist. And so uh, what we're doing is uh, TALIS is participating with uh, uh, a NIST program. National Institute of Standards and Technology is running a campaign or a program to find some quantum-resistant algorithms which protect against uh, post-quantum computers. Uh, TALIS is part of that group of seven finalists. They're down to it. started with like 38 folks trying to build the next generation of cryptography and math. They're down to seven, and NIST is going to make a selection on those post-quantum algorithms next year. So, so TALUS is a part of it and working in that area. The other area that I'm directly involved with is our products 
we've made them all programmable, basically. We call it crypto agility. But the idea is whether it's a hardware security module or it's a key manager or it's data in motion, uh, link encryption, the day that a post-quantum algorithm exists, we're going to be able to swap out the traditional algorithms and put the new quantum resistant algorithms in. And we can do that today with the seven finalists that are at NIST. And it's important for a lot of different uh, verticals, especially finance. Uh, they're getting really worried about post-quantum because you know they hold information. So does government, right, for 30 years that if you protect something with an old algorithm, a post-quantum computer will be able to decrypt that and, and get that information. If they store it off now, they'll be able to do that in the future. So folks are starting to think about how they can protect for this next generation. And so we're giving them the capability to test, validate, look at latency, performance, all that good stuff that goes into quantum um, or, or the threat of quantum in the future. But maybe I'll just stop there, Paul. I, th I see you nodding, but like I said, I, I go on for 20 minutes about the- No, 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 that, that's, exa no you, that's exactly what you did. That's you, what we you, think, yeah. No, no, that's exactly where I wanted you to go is just kind of give the, because I think that's, uh, you know, at least for our listeners and and, and at least, you know, I, I feel like that, that was a piece that a little bit was a gap for me. I, I didn't quite, I was never really connecting the dots there. And I think, I think that you, you've, you've given that enough there to where people can maybe go learn more and, and dig into that um, if they're really interested. But I, I think that's, it's an interesting kind of, um, thing that that we got to keep our eye on for sure so absolutely yeah we've covered a lot of a lot of really good territory i mean you talked about the basics todd and, and that's kind of what i call the blocking and tackling yeah. um that, that just needs to be addressed i mean kind of going back before our quantum computing discussion but uh I, i'm personally thankful uh that you joined us today look forward to chatting with you again and and i hope hope you guys uh all the best i, I know you're you're particularly uh, involved with that, uh, with being the VP of encryption products, I'm sure that you you are very involved and and uh, in in that NIST selection. So I, I wish you all the luck with uh, with with moving that forward. So that's pretty cool stuff. Well, yep, thank you. Us proud, Todd. Yeah, ab ab absolutely. And, and I'm looking to make sure that we uh, keep complying with all the, all those worldwide laws. We we help the. Uh, you know, the executive orders that are coming out, uh, all, all the guidance coming out from NIST and other areas too, about how each and every person protects themselves. So uh, I'm excited to be where we are. I, th I think cybersecurity is, uh, it's a buzzword, right? Everyone you talk to has a different definition of what cybersecurity is. But uh, from my perspective, we're, we're trying to put the right solutions out there, um, letting folks uh, go back to the three letters or the three words, discover, protect, control, um, that, that we try to teach folks. And I like that blocking, blocking and tackling, John. That, that's, yeah. that's a good way to describe it. So cool. Thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate it. And um, and uh, look forward to look forward to talking to you again, Todd. Yeah, Paul, John, nice to meet you guys. Take care yeah, of yourself. Thank you, Todd. A lot of fun. Have a great day. Thank See you guys. You. All right. See you guys. Bye. -bye.